Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often they push themselves out of their comfort zones and took risks. We want to know about that decision point. Why did they make that decision? And most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abrachi Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior, and in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're so honored to have Dr. Debbie Silber as our special guest. Dr. Debbie is the founder of the PBT, Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute, and is a holistic psychologist a health, mindset, and personal development expert, and author of Trust Again, and is a two-time number one international best-selling author of The Unshakable Woman and From Hardened to Healed. Her podcast, From Betrayal to Breakthrough, is also globally ranked within the top 1.5% of podcasts. Her recent doctoral study on how we experience betrayal made three groundbreaking discoveries that changes how long it takes to heal. In addition to being on Fox, CBS, The Dr. Oz Show, TEDx, Twice, and more, she's an award-winning speaker and coach dedicated to helping people move past their betrayals, as well as any other roadblocks preventing them from the health, work, relationships, confidence, and happiness they want most. Dr. Debbie, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We always like to start by asking what you do when you want to expand your thinking. Well, thanks so much. You know, it, it's such an opportunity, a wonderful opportunity to, to chat with you. So much I want to share. But what I do to expand my thinking is to constantly be curious. And one of the decisions I made early on was just because I don't understand something doesn't mean it's not true. And that's led to such a difference in my thinking. In, and instead of being closed-minded, I've just learned so many incredible things I never would have had access to with a closed mind. Mm. Thank you. Uh, we love that you're on our podcast, uh, Dr. Debbie. I appreciate it so much. So thank you. What um, I was just thinking, were you always a curious kid or did you have to kind of force yourself like, nope, this is, I need to turn off a certain filter and engage in, in the curiosity and the growth mindset? You know, I, I think is the way I was, it was, you assume that these big people who are teaching you know best and everybody, you know, and everybody else knows, knows better. And, and so we, we listen and we follow and there was something and I'll remember, I remembered it exactly where I was. I mean, that's how profound it was where, um, it just, it rocked me to my core. And I thought to myself, 
what if it's not me? Because I was always told like whatever went wrong, whatever went down, whatever was the issue was me. And there was something about it that just didn't quite make sense, but I I wasn't taught that way. So, you know, so I remember how shocking it was to feel that. And I don't know what it was, but I was like, well, you know what, what would happen if you just keep watering that seed? And that actually turned into, you know, I think it's, you know, I don't, I don't think it's me. And then I kept going with that. And then it was, what if it's really them? And then it turned into, oh my gosh, it's them. And that actually, that thought and belief set me free. Mm. What was, what was the, what were the messages? Just that everything that, that you were in such control of everything that you could control, like people's thoughts and actions. Do you know what I mean? Like what was kind of the, the, why it was always Debbie? Yeah, it was just because I was the only one who could accept responsibility or, you know, accept blame for something, even when it wasn't mine. And Mm, so there was something about it where I was like, wait a second, this doesn't, this just doesn't make sense. This doesn't feel right, but they must know better. So everything they're saying must be true. But there was something about it where I was like, I don't think that's the way it is. Uh It doesn't feel right to me, but I didn't really, honestly, I didn't know any more than that. And I just... I just kept going with it. And, and with that, uh, was willing to explore what if it's not me? And, and I'm not kidding. It was like the get out of jail pass. Wow. How old were you? Or like, was this, you know, I, you don't have to give your age, but like that, yeah. that this happened at this kind of moment of like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it started really young and, and it evolved. It really evolved over time. Now keep in mind, you know, my wheelhouse is betrayal. So, yeah. you know, it's, you can either become the poster child for it or learn some profound lessons from it. And, yeah. um, and that's what I, that's what I chose to do. But this was something that I really remember from, from early on. I mean, like I was a little kid and, and didn't know any more than something about this doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love when you kind of look back in your childhood and there's these defining moments of just like a simple thing that someone said, or you're like, huh, that kind of shakes my worldview a little. I don't, I don't think that's quite right. So thank you for sharing that. So now the question that we always love to ask is what is the decision that you made or someone made for you that changed the trajectory of your life? And maybe what are some of those charged qualities that helped you through that decision? Yeah, it it was definitely uh, going back for a PhD in transpersonal psychology. And it was really because here I had this betrayal from my family and thought I did everything I needed to do to heal. And then it happened a few years later. And this time it was my husband. That was the deal breaker. So got him out of the house. And here I was four kids, six dogs, a thriving practice, but I was a wreck. And I was like, you know what? A book isn't helping me out of this jam. Like I, I need a whole PhD in it. So that decision felt so, I felt so called to this one program. And it was, um, it was really about, you know, transpersonal psychology, which is, you know, just human potential and, and, and transformation, which I was doing, but I didn't quite understand what was happening. He was too, wasn't ready to look at that. And then it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal, what holds Mm -hmm. us back, what helps us heal and what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally, when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive. And that study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my family, my work, my life. Wow. Let's go back to, before we get into that, what was, what were you doing before you decided to get the doctorate in transformational psychology? 
Yeah. So it was, I was in health and mindset and personal mm-hmm. development forever. And, and it's so, it's so perfect because everything that worked up until then I've used, uh, it's almost like, you know, when you look back, you're like, Oh, I get why I did that. Mm-hmm. Because even something like health, you know, you think, well, what, what in the world does, does health have to do with healing from betrayal? It does for so many reasons. First of all, for clarity, for you know, confidence in, in just feeling good again. And because something like health, you know, let's say what you eat, how you move, when you've been betrayed in the beginning, those may be the only two things you have control over mm-hmm. when your world is completely spinning out of control. So, so there are so many aspects of what I've done in the past that make so much sense in, in really helping someone to heal and transform after an experience with betrayal. Mm. What, so what you decided to get the PhD, did you just find the program and you're like, that's it. I got it. This speaks to me. Did you know of transformational psychology before you started doing the research? How did you find it? how did you yeah. find the calling? Yeah. I, it's so funny because this has happened twice in my life. I had no idea what transpersonal psychology was, but like, I remember years back, um, I was, I mean, I had a, it was a double major TV production, broadcast journalism, and I was working in, and it was so unfulfilling. And I re- I'll never forget, I was just really searching for for some sort of career with meaning. And my college roommate just calls me up one day and she's like, do you want to take a class towards something? Are you bored with your job? I'm like, oh my gosh, you have no idea. <laughs> and I was like, I don't even care. Just sign us up. And she goes, let's take it towards something. Let's be, let's be dietitians. So I signed up for this master's in nutrition and dietetics program. She never did. Well, here it was years later, I meet up with a friend and this is after my betrayal. And she's like, I really want to go back for a PhD. I'm like, me too. I'm like, I don't know, holistic nutrition. I, I just, it's this whole transformation I'm so into. And she said, you know, I'm thinking about this transpersonal psychology. And I, I said, what the heck is that? And she tells me, and I signed up and she never did. Stop <laughs> it. That's, I, first of all, I love that. And I love that I'm now calling it transformational psychology instead of transpersonal because that's the end result. Yeah. Transpersonal. But I love that your friends are dropping these ideas. Mm -hmm. You do it. They're not doing it. (laughs) There are these little angels that just show up when I need them. Right. And it's so interesting when you, when people look back on their lives, like, like you, there are these moments where you talk to someone who could be a friend or a stranger who just drops that one piece of knowledge. Like, Oh, did you know about Mm -hmm. insert transpersonal psychology and it changed your life? Mm -hmm. So what, so you're going through the program. Did you have Debbie, a, a clear thought of this is exactly what I was going to do my dissertation. Like you knew it was going to be betrayal because you're like, uh Oh, there's a repeating pattern here. Like, how did you know that that would, that's what you would study? I just felt so called to do it. And, uh-huh. um, and I just, I honestly, I just needed to heal, but I remember, uh, just moving through the topic. And, and there was a moment where I said, I, I, I really have no idea if I can heal from this, but if I do, I'm taking everybody with me. Mm, mm. And then it became super clear. What was it hard? Cause I think we have quite a few listeners sometimes who maybe be stuck in a profession that they're okay. Like not okay. At, but they, they like it. Okay. Right. They're like, it's fine. But then they think maybe I could go back to school or maybe I could do something different, but I have, like you said, I have kids, I have 
so many dogs, Debbie, you have six, right? <laughs> um, at the time, I was like, that's a lot of dogs. Um, but how did you kind of adjust your life to go to school? Because that isn't, I, I know personally, it's not an easy undertaking to say, I'm just going to spend the money and take the time to get a PhD. Yeah, it was huge. I mean, I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I didn't know how I was going to manage the time. Uh, but I'm I'm pretty intuitive. And it just, if something, I just feel like if something is pulling me this yeah. much, it's for a reason. And it, I'm not going to lie, it was brutal. I mean, nights, weekends, and it was so funny because, you know, my kids were at four, four teenagers at the time. And, you know, they were complaining about their work and I would just jump right in. Like, well, I have papers too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I had to, you know, find, you know, all this research and cite this study. And, you know, it was, it was new to me and it was, um, it was, it was huge, but it changed my life. Yeah. And so you were working full-time while you were doing it? Mm -hmm. I had my own business. Yeah. But what was also so interesting was I started to see, it's just so amazing how it always happens. I was really implementing everything I was researching mm. in, in this, for the, you know, for the, the study. And, and I was seeing, and of course, you know, clients started coming to me with betrayals and they were so heavily medicated or in such denial mm. or struggling so much. And they were like, what are you doing? You know, why are you so good. Why are you, how are you healing? And all I was really doing was implementing, um, what I was learning and then sharing it with them. And, um, and, and it was really, I mean, these three discoveries, sharing it with them and walking them through it helped them too. Yeah. I love that. Sometimes we we've had guests where they talk about you have this calling and then they, maybe they do a lot of research around it or they, they get maybe too cautious and, and they don't actually listen to it. Um, and, and I love that you listen to it and you're like, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And I think that's such a great message for people, that courageousness of I'm going to, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to try it. It's going to be hard. And that courageousness and resiliency that you had, but now Debbie, please, you've teased it a couple times. What are the three? So you studied betrayal. Mm -hmm. I think many of us have had either kind of small B betrayal, large B betrayal, capitalized mm -hmm. B betrayal. What did you find? So you were called to do it. Tell us a little bit about your research and what you found in it. I'm so excited to learn more. Yeah. So the first discovery was originally I was studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth. And for those who aren't familiar, I kind of look at post-traumatic growth as the upside of trauma, how any trauma, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, whatever, leaves you with a new awareness, insight, perspective that you didn't have. But I had been through death of a loved one and I had been through disease. And I was like, nope, betrayal feels very different. I didn't want to assume it was the same for all my study participants. So I asked them, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, does it feel different for you? Unanimously, they said, oh my gosh, it's so different. And here's why. Because it feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the entire self is shattered. Rejection, abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust, and they all have to be rebuilt. So it didn't quite qualify as post-traumatic growth. It's like, yeah. yes, you need to rebuild your life, but you also need to rebuild yourself. So I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation and that's the complete and total rebuild of your life and yourself after an experience with betrayal. So the first discovery was betrayal is in fact a different type of trauma because of the attack to the self. That was the first discovery. So that attack to the self to explain more of that and how that, how that feels to people. 
Yeah. I mean, for anyone who's experienced it, this is the person you trusted the most. Mm. You know, when the person you trusted the most proves untrustworthy, who do you trust? I mean, trust gives us our sense of safety and security. So the sense of safety and security is absolutely shattered by the person who gave it to us. So that rocks us to our core. And, and so that those feelings of rejection and abandonment and confidence and worthiness and trust are demolished and all have to be rebuilt. Like, think about it. If you lose someone you love, you grieve, you're sad, you mourn the loss. You don't necessarily lose your ability to trust. You know, right. you don't feel um, rejected. Mm-hmm. So it's the personal nature of it is yeah. what, that's what makes betrayal a different type of trauma. And that was, mm-hmm. yeah, that was the first discovery. Wow. Okay. Um, Continue, please. I'm yeah. excited. So the second one was that there's actually a collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal, it's known as post-betrayal syndrome. And we've had, I don't know, 80,000 plus people take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent they're struggling. And a few things about that. The first one is we've all been taught time heals all wounds. I have the proof that when it comes to betrayal, that's not true. Uh, There's a question on the quiz that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like my betrayal happened 35 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust my betrayal happened 15 Mm -hmm. years ago. Feels like it happened yesterday. So what we know is you cannot count on time or even a new relationship to heal betrayal. It must be deliberate and intentional. And, um, and every few months I pull the stats from the quiz to see, you know, where people land. Happy to share them if you want to hear. Yeah, I, I love it because I think to your point, we have these tropisms of like time heals all wounds and just it's a very passive thing to say, right? You just kind of sit back and time will take care of it. You don't have to do anything with it. So, and that is not true. So, but yes, I would love to hear the stats. Yeah, sure. Yeah, not with betrayal. It's deliberate and intentional. Okay, so imagine 80,000 plus people, men, women, just about every country is represented. 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hypervigilant. 94% deal with painful triggers. And those triggers can, you know, take you right down. The most common physical symptoms, 71% have low energy. 68% have sleep issues. 63% have extreme fatigue. Your adrenals have tanked. Mm-hmm. 47% have weight changes. In the beginning, maybe you can't hold food down. Later on, you're using food for comfort. 45% have digestive issues. And this could be anything from Crohn's, IBS, diverticulitis, constipation, diarrhea, you name it. The most common mental symptoms. 78% are overwhelmed. 70% are walking around in a state of disbelief. 68% can't focus. 64% are in shock. 62% can't concentrate. So imagine you can't concentrate. You're exhausted. You have a gut issue. You still have to work. You right. still have to raise yes. your kids, right? That's right. not even the emotional ones. Emotionally, 88% experience extreme sadness. 83% are very angry, and you could bounce back and forth all day long between sadness and anger. 82% feel hurt. 80% have anxiety. 79% are stressed. Just a few more. Here's why I wrote the book Trust again 84% have an inability to trust. Mm. Six, is that painful? Six, yeah, it's so painful. Seven, yep. 67% are preventing themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. 
Mm. Um, so it's overwhelming. How do you, just as an aside, before we get back to the research, when you see all that data and mm-hmm. it's so overwhelming, how does that impact you? And kind of how does that fuel you when you read these stats, when you get these stats in your, from your study? Yeah. Well, well, first of all, and just to finish up with the quiz stats, first of all, you didn't hear me read anything 20%, 30%. These numbers are really high. And what's so much crazier about it is these stats aren't from a recent betrayal. This could be from something that happened when you were a little kid. This could be from the parent who did something awful, from the girlfriend or boyfriend who broke your heart in high school. So here, think about this. That person may not know, care, or even remember. They may not even be alive. And here we are walking around with these symptoms because of that. That's that's the, the good news is you can heal from all of it. But to answer your question, what does it do for me? It, it, it drives me because I was right there. I had these symptoms. And... It's there's a predictable, proven roadmap to heal from all of it. And that was actually the third discovery. So for me, it's it's just getting these stats out there so people know they're not alone, they're not crazy, and they yeah. can heal from all of it. Yeah, and I think too, I, one of the best things I remember such a long time ago, someone told me I was I kind of ticked off that someone was was betraying actually the company was taking mm-hmm. things for was actually I thought stealing from the company, and I remember the person was like, well, they don't they don't think about it as much as you do. Do you know what I mean? And there was kind of that moment, like you're saying, Debbie, like we get all concerned about it and they're probably not even thinking twice about it. Yeah. Um, and yet we've expended so much energy on it. Um, I thank you for those stats. So get to the, um, the step three then, or the third, the third research, sorry. Right. The third discovery. For me, this was the most exciting. And, and this was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many people do, if we're going to fully heal, and by fully heal, I mean symptoms that I just shared of post-betrayal syndrome, and not everybody has all of them, but you're going to have a handful for sure, to that you know, holy, whole complete new state of post-betrayal transformation, we're going to go through five proven, predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is we know what happens physically, mentally, emotionally at every stage. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. Healing is entirely predictable and happy to share the five stages if you want to hear them. Well, you know, like you just, it's like, we've been doing this forever, Debbie. Cause I'm like, you know, my next question is what are the actions? Because I do think with those percentages, there's no way that someone who's listening has not has not suffered from a betrayal and is still holding on to it because we know mm-hmm. the stats. So we always ask the last question, Debbie, in our podcast is like, what are the actions that people can take based yeah. on what you shared with us? So you're set up. That's the softball right down the middle for you, Debbie. Okay, <laughs> here goes the swing. So um, the five stages, I mean, it, they're all in trust again. It's what our coaches are all certified in. It's what we teach within the PBT Institute. Here's a distilled version and here's the roadmap. Ready? Stage one is like a setup stage. And this is kind of before it happens. And if you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, what I saw with everybody, me too, was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental, the thinking and doing, and kind of neglecting and ignoring uh, the emotional and the spiritual, the feeling and being, right? Well, if you have 
if a table has two legs, easy to, for that table to topple over. That's us. Stage two, the scariest of all of the stages, shock, trauma, D-Day, discovery day. And this is the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. Right here, you got the news that changes your life forever. You've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. Makes no sense. And your worldview has just been shattered. That's your mental model, the rules that govern us, that prevent chaos. Don't go there. This is how life works. And in one earth-shattering moment, Every rule you've held to be real and true is no longer. The bottom has bottomed out and a new bottom hasn't been formed yet. So this is terrifying. But think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical out of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? It's like that. Here's the trap though. Stage three, by far, hands down, is the place where most people get stuck. And here's why. And they can stay there for life. Once you've figured out how to survive your experience, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you think it's good. It's like, so you start planting roots here. And because you don't know there's anywhere else to go, you don't know there's a stage four or five. Yeah. Transformation doesn't even begin until stage four. But because you don't know there's anywhere else to go, you start parking here and four things happen. The first thing is you start getting all those small self benefits. You get your story. You get to be right. You get someone to blame, you know, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On some level. It feels validating. So you plant deeper roots. You're not supposed to, but you don't know that. And now because you're here longer than you should be, the mind starts doing things like, well, maybe I deserved it. Maybe I'm not all that great. Maybe this, maybe that. So you plant deeper roots. And now because these are the thoughts you're thinking, well, this is the energy you're putting out. Well, like energy attracts like energy. So now you're calling situations and circumstances and relationships towards you to confirm, yep, This is where you belong. It gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels so bad, but you don't know there's anywhere else to go, right here, you resign yourself. You're like, this stinks, but like, I have to get through my day. I have to, I just have to be, you know, deal with my kids. So here's where you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, whatever. And think about this. You do that for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit, right? a year, 10 years, 20 years, I can seriously see someone 20 years out and say that drinking you're doing or that emotional eating you're doing. Do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I'm crazy. And they would say, well, it happened 20 years ago. All they did was put themselves in stage three and stay there. That makes sense. Oh my gosh. I was just thinking, I was just going through a list of people I know and situations I've been in and yeah, so stuck in that stage three. I know it, but then I'm just ruminating and stuck and I'm medicating. And yeah, that is such a hamster wheel that stage three Mm -hmm. I can see. So um, again, here comes the, how can I move past stage three? (laughs) And and it's interesting. So interesting because trust again, maps out all five stages. And I was like, wow, but everybody's stuck in stage three. So I wrote from hardened to healed 
for those people stuck there because you owe it to yourself. Yeah. Like the worst of it happened already. You owe it to yourself to yes. move completely through yep. so, because people don't even realize they're in stage three. That's just like, they're like life stinks or I'm fine. Or, you know, there's just, there's a whole, um, like look of stage for stage three, which I could talk about after. Anyway, if you're willing, willingness is a huge thing right here, willing to let go of the small self benefits, grieve more than the loss, bunch of things you need to do. You move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. So here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo what happened, but I control what I do with it. And it feels like if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, like all your stuff's not there. It's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. It's like, we got this. Okay. okay. It feels like that. What's so interesting about stage four though, is, is this, and many people who are listening, you may have experienced this. If you were to move, you don't take everything with you. You don't take the things that don't represent who you want to be in that new space. And what I found was if your friends weren't there for you, or if you've just grown and they haven't, you've outgrown them right here. You don't take them with you. And I hear this all the time. What the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation. And if they don't, they don't come. So there's such a change in relationships at this one spot in coming into stage four. I see it all the time. Anyway, when you're, you know, you've settled into this new space mentally, you've made it your new home. You move into, into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing rebirth and a new worldview. Your body starts to heal self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. You know, now you do. Your mind is healing. You're making new rules. You're making new boundaries based on the road you just traveled. And you have a new worldview based on the entire experience. And the four legs of the table, in the beginning, it was all about the physical and the mental. Mm -hmm. But at this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. Mm, that's so beautiful. I think um, before I turn it over to Kelly and I want Kelly's insights, I can't help it. I just want to ask, what is there like a story, Debbie, or just, yeah, maybe a story of someone's with all the classes you've been through and all the people, is there some story that just, or some comment that someone you've helped just touches you and you just keep kind of, it's like a touchstone and you just keep going back to it and gives you just kind of fuel and and a fuel for your work. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, there are so many of our members and so many of our coaches and they, there's a roadmap. So they just, all they did was follow the roadmap. But when you, when you, you know, ask for a story, I'll give you mine, you know, rebuilding is always a choice, whether you rebuild yourself and move on. And that's what I did with my family. It simply wasn't an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something from the ground up entirely new with the person who hurt you. And that's what I did with my husband. So not long ago as two transformed people, we married each other again. Oh, <laughs> I love that. I love that. New vows, new dress, and our four kids is our bridal party. Oh, I love that. And you're so right. And sometimes it's kind of choosing to are you rebuilding or are you just kind of let that other one go? And so what a great, thank you for that, Debbie. It's so chock full of information and help for people and just hearing your story. And so I think Kelly, what kind of just jumps out at you with this um, just kind of beautiful study. And I'm so glad Debbie, you heard the calling on your, 
PhD so you could help others with betrayal because obviously by the stats, I think we know qualitatively that this happens and we have friends, but then the stats, the quantitative stats are, are overwhelming. So what are you, what are your, what are your reactions, Cal? Well, certainly I think this is something, a topic that is really incredibly important because it, the amount of hurt and pain that people go through when they've been betrayed is, um, well, it just, it speaks to the stats that you just shared with us. So I wonder what the amount of impact that you've had with clients that you've worked with, what have, what has that looked like for you in your Institute? Yeah. So, and, and just to clarify the Institute, you know, when, when the four, when, when, when the three discoveries showed up and and specifically Mm -hmm. the five stages, I was like, you can't go learning something like this and going back to business as usual. So I put that into a program and it, you know, and that went crazy. And then the certification program to kind of leverage me. And then I was like, wow, you know, let's put everything that works under one roof and exclude anything that doesn't. And that's the PBT Institute. So, you know, in there we have our coaches teaching daily classes and meeting with members and our self-paced programs and all of that. And what goes on in there is unlike everything, anything I've ever experienced in my life, because you're seeing people who have, we're all in a club we never wanted to be in. We've all been blindsided. We've all been duped. We've all been heartbroken. You know, whether it's a family member, a partner, a friend, whatever it is, we've all been shocked and and have had the symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome. But seeing people uh, move through the stages and seeing the inspiration um, and, and and just having other members actually see somebody moving through the stages gives them so much inspiration and, and just helps to fuel them. So it's such a beautiful, it's just such a beautiful space of, of transformation. And, you know, someone's, someone moving from stage two to stage three, oh my gosh, is so huge. And then someone in stage three for 30 years and comes into the Institute moving to stage four is so beautiful. And then stage five, and and we see in stage five, that's where, if I tell you how many new businesses are birthed in, the PBT is a stage five thing. You don't have access to, to these new ideas when you're working through your trauma. So I've seen so many new businesses. I've seen so many new relationships in stage five with uh, someone entirely new or with the person who hurt them, but as totally different relationships, new levels of health. So what we see at each different stage is just so beautiful. Wow. I mean, it has to be just amazing to, and incredible to see people enter and leave not only you know, enter stage one, but leave stage five as a different person or, you know, as a transformed person, but then watching the transformation from each step mm-hmm. and each stage as a, as a, a modified version of themselves has got to be incredible too. Um, we talk so much about self-awareness and as you were talking through each stage with us, I couldn't help but think about the importance of really understanding who you are and the self-awareness aspect through each of those stages. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. And because you are really having to connect with who you are, how you're feeling, what you're experiencing, um, you really can't divorce that from this process is what my understanding is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, we have a saying in the community, it's face it, feel it, heal it. And mm-hmm. you cannot move through this until and unless you're willing to really go through uh, all of the stages and what comes up 
in every stage. And it's very different in each stage. And it's, although it's different for everyone, what you need to move through at every stage is different. Like for example, forgiveness, it's huge, but you can't do that too early. It backfires every time. So everything that you move through is at a particular stage because you're too angry or you're too sad or you're too, there are too many other things at different stages. So It's all timed so perfectly and the timing has so much to do with someone's willingness. But I'll tell you, it's really interesting because there were three groups in the study who did not heal. And the first was the group that was numbing, avoiding, distracting. You know, they ran to the doctor who put them on a mood stabilizer or anti-anxiety that may have made the day a bit easier, not without a price. The second group, this was the group who like they had their story and they're sticking with it, deeply cemented to stage three. And the third group, uh, this was interesting too. This was the group where the betrayer had very little consequences. So whether it was out of financial fear, not wanting to break up a family, religious reasons, that was a big one. They just did everything they could to try to put it behind them without really doing anything differently. I only saw two things with this group. Number one, a further deterioration of the relationship. And two, this group was the most physically sick because your broken heart can't handle that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, you know, we see what works, we know what doesn't work. And I know the heartbreak and the trauma. I mean, I've been there, you know. Well, and you've invested literally your life into studying it, which I think is even more incredible because you've suffered it, you've understood it, you've lived it. um, And the energy from which you speak about it is palpable. Um, You are you know, for a topic that is so incredibly painful, the energy you have for it, it just speaks to the passion um, that you feel for it and ensuring that you're educating as many people as you possibly can about it and providing them an outlet from from which there is a group and community that can understand and relate and that there is an option for those who want to learn more about it and, you know, come to terms with it, whether they want to explore it, um, educate themselves, um, you know, work with one of your coaches. Um, there's, there's, there's opportunity to take advantage and and learn more. So we're so grateful for you, Dr. Debbie, I'm going to put all of your contact information links to your YouTube, um, videos, as well as, um, uh, the, um, PVT Institute in our show notes. So people know how to get a hold of you and learn more about um, the fascinating research you've done on this very important and very uh, impactful topic. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story with us um, and the power of all of the research and the incredible work you've done. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. And I'll just say this one thing too. Mm-hmm. We recently started a program for the betrayer. It's so interesting. Not the betrayer who's like on to the next, but as much as it's such a shock and and the potential for a new, truly a new life for the betrayed, it can be for the betrayer too. So seeing them transform as well and become just people they're proud of is so exciting. Wow. Fascinating. Love that. (laughs) Uh, All of that will be included in the show notes. So um, what an interesting take on it. Thank you so much, Dr. Debbie. I really appreciate you sharing. Thanks so much. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abraci Group, 
Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you. Thank you.